I didn't realize you were that far back. Yeah, because I stopped watching, because I don't... Eh. Yeah. No, it's fine, because you're a villain. Nothing, yeah, nothing, yeah, nothing brings me joy anymore. Oh. Um, I, cool. watched, I watched five minutes of Jon Stewart, and it gave me no joy. You only watched five <laughs> minutes? Yeah. I didn't watch any of it. I I'll get back to it happening. eventually. I don't know. Mm. Whatever. I don't know. I mean, it's not... I like Jon Stewart, despite his problems. Mm-hmm. But I like him a lot. So, and this was. Is, are we podcasting? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I just. <sighs> I just thought. It's a, a, a different approach than John Oliver, and I thought it was just going to be the same thing. But and like, is it the same approach as Wyatt Cenac? I don't. Well, I, I don't think I, I didn't watch his show. Okay, well that's your first mistake. Yeah. So, Sorry. so what is what is the problem with John Stewart? Okay. Well, okay. The different. So John Oliver, he will take a big issue, and his he and his people will will like research the crap out of it. And then John Oliver will sit at a desk for 25 minutes and, like... Explain it. Explain it with lots of pop cultural references and funny asides or whatever. Right. But I don't feel like John Oliver, like, personally engages in the issues that much. Whereas John Stewart, at least in the first two episodes, he's... First of all, he takes issues that he's personally involved with. The first one was like uh, burn pits, which I didn't even know anything about, in uh, the Iraq War. So okay. it's all veterans and, you know, John Stewart's. So the first part is sort of similar to John Oliver, where he'll explain uh, the issue, but then he'll have a panel on of the people affected by the issue, and then he will talk to them and engage with them. And then, and in the first episode, he then had a long interview with like the uh, the head of Veteran Affairs. Mm-hmm. And it's not really f- that funny. It's it really is more like sixty minutes with a guy like you like. Yeah. So I mean, it's not not funny. It's like John Stewart being John Stewart, but in more of a 60 minutes format and and in ways he's he's just more engaged with what he's covering than I think John Oliver is and I don't I don't know that that makes a huge difference but I it, it, I don't know you I like it. it it was different yeah so yeah. and each episode is a different topic like completely different topic yes and the second uh, the second episode was about uh freedom or, you know, people keep saying we're not going to take the COVID because of, you know, our personal freedom. But you also have to sacrifice freedom to get freedom. And he went into this long spiel. And then he ended up talking to, like, people in other countries. Uh, his panel, uh, his panelists were, like, people in other countries who have actually experienced having their freedoms taken away. Yeah. Like the guy from Egypt that... The movie, I think he did his movie about. Right. Yeah. And then a woman in the Philippines who's about to be in prison for basically voicing her opinions. 
Anyway, I thought it was fascinating. It's, it's a little long. They're 45-minute episodes. But he really digs in, and he really, really... You, you feel like, okay, this is like something that Jon Stewart specifically has a lot of passion about and is not just something that his team has researched and he's sort right. of like, yeah. So um, just as a point of comparison, uh, why it's next problem areas, uh-huh. it takes that a step further. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was an entire season on, on one, one topic. Mission? Oh, yeah. well, there you um, go. It was education and then policing and Wyatt Snack personally would like go to different cities mm-hmm. and talk about like the problems that they're facing, how they've innovated. It would, but it was like a top down huh. sort of like, let's like spend a an entire cereal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really was. And um, one thing that was, that was great about it was that he could explore a lot of different facets of like, so like on the policing one, it's like, okay, what about, community policing what does that mean and how is that you know either great or fucked up or probably you know fucked up but um but like he would he would kind of like go down like different arguments and different different you know theories of of you know solutions that and why they have or haven't worked Um, yeah and and by going like place to place talking to activists talking to people who you know police officers or teachers or like people who are in the system people who are trying to change the system like uh, talking to everyone um but also just the fact that it was city to city or really it's acknowledging that like there is not one one size fits all solution and or problem like each Mm -hmm. area is kind of distinct but also different each area may be addressing it in different ways Mm -hmm. um so yeah i guess john stewart show feels like sort of in between that is in between right john oliver yeah yep huh well it sounds like why it's not get fucked over again (laughs) so you know i'm i'm curious i'm more curious about john stewart's show now but also if anyone has not watched Wyatt snacks show i think both seasons are on hbo and it's yeah and it's really it's really good and probably you know it's not like the problems have been solved so no it's still relevant Um, and if anything else it was you know well ahead of its time Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially on the policing season yeah we just love white snack oh he's so good yeah dustin i'm sorry (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i i don't really watch those kinds of shows anymore and I you know I watch John Oliver clips like everybody else and yeah I just happen to like John Stewart a lot despite his issues I also feel like Wyatt Snack got screwed over like they they put his sh- I feel like problem areas was in that Friday 10 o'clock throwaway yeah. slot yeah it was in that throwaway comedy slot right um, so nobody was mayor. huh after Bill Mayer. Oh God, yeah, it must have been. Yeah, but it's like Although, where you would expect know. to find Los Spookies or whatever. Right. Like it's the comedy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Know. It's the it's the comedy like hour half hour to hour after yeah after the what's his yeah. name where it's kind of like they don't have to do great but they do have but like they can never build an audience. Right. Um, um, whereas if he had put if they had put it on Sunday night paired it with. Like, like shown some sort of faith 
Oh man! If they paired it with John, with John Oliver, Oliver, that block just like be... filled in the all of those weeks that John Oliver doesn't air. Yeah, because that's mm-hmm. like twenty weeks at least that he doesn't yeah. do a show. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, it could have been in that window where like he takes off from like February to April. Or right. Um, yeah. Would have been. Would have been nice. Would have yeah. been very nice. Anyway, welcome to Podjiba, <laughs> the Pajiba <laughs> Television Podcast. Uh, I'm Pajiba Comedy Editor Dan Habamura. With me, as always, are Pajiba Managing Editor Tori Preston. Hello, Dan. Hello, Tori. And B.A. Baracus Dustin Rolls. That's right. <laughs> what, what made you decide to reference the A-Team on this fine evening, Dustin? I just had the theme song stuck in my head for some reason. And what does that theme song sound like? I'm like shit. You know what? It wasn't even that theme song. It was. <laughs> I was. I thought it was the 18 when I was humming it in my head. But uh, I'll I'll hum it and you'll tell me what it is. Okay. No. I'm gonna need a few more bars. I don't know. I think I think I, I think it was the Quantum Leap theme song. That is not the Quantum Leap theme song. Is it? Da, 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 da. No, it is the A-Team song. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> Shit, not, I think it's the A-Team. No, the, the A-Team, I mean, not to, not to be, uh, I, I, I want to say that I'm choosing this, and I'm not being tricked into singing a theme song right now, but wasn't the A-Team one the That's A-Team, I don't know, I only recognize it if it's played on ukulele. Oh, well, uh, unfortunately, it's out of range. So uh, we'll just have to trust that I'm right and Dustin. I don't know what Dustin's saying. I think I am still doing the quantum leap. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) You know, at the end. Yeah, no, the end sounds like quantum leap. Don Belisario right there now. I can see it. Yeah. All right. So Dustin's losing his mind a little bit. Uh, And we already talked about uh, the problem with Jon Stewart. Uh, so there you go. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, before we get to any more of it, uh, what is everyone drinking? Since someone just poured something, I just poured some wine. Tori, what are you? What kind of wine? Um, it is. I think what I was drinking last week. It's the Roto uh, from Chile. It's a 2020 Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, I bought another bottle so I could continue to postpone drinking that last can of maple breakfast out, oh. which is still in my fridge. That's smart. Just let it age. That's that's when it gets real good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, breakfast is always better uh, weeks later. Uh, <laughs> Although, wait, did I tell wait you guys? Wait till it gets a little skin on the top. Did I tell you guys I got the bourbon maple syrup from Trader Joe's? Oh, um, how is did it? I, did I mention that last week? I can't remember anymore. It I was, think you... It's, Amazing. Really? So, so this is maple syrup aged and in bourbon, bourbon barrels. barrels. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. It tastes really, really good. Hmm. Is it hmm. Vermont maple syrup? It is Vermont maple syrup. Oh, good. So I felt especially okay <laughs> buying it from Trader Joe's because right. at least, like, yeah, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna economy. buy New Hampshire maple syrup. Right. No, New Hampshire maple syrup is actually not good. Nothing. I mean, of course it isn't. <laughs> My kids will only eat Maine or Vermont maple syrup. Because your kids 
are well-educated, classy. Discerning taste buds. Yeah. You're raising them properly. Um, I have a friend who I grew up with, like he's from Vermont, um, and he lives in Massachusetts right now. And his wife is trying to get him to buy a cabin in New Hampshire. And he was saying, like, it already is like a knife in my chest when I'm driving. Because, like, you know, his parents still live in Vermont. So they'll come for the weekend to visit, you know, their grandma. And, you know, he's driving back to Massachusetts. And the kids, like, as they cross the state line are like, we're home. And he's just like, oh, the fact that they say that about Massachusetts. And now she wants to buy a cabin in New Hampshire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Like, I like that you've got all your your weird little uh, rivalries up up in your your part of the country. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. What I mean, what does Cal? Well, because California just kind of automatically. California is just like like you know, in the time it takes you to drive anywhere, it's just more California. Right. Yeah. So, so you're uh, not really bothered by anyone else, and you know, Hawaii has no competition. Right. I mean, obviously, well, we, we, we do, uh, for us, it's uh, the different islands. So oh, right. it's like, which island is the best and why? It's an interstate rivalry. In, yeah. 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 Intra-state? Intra-state rivalry. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Dustin, what are you drinking? <laughs> oh, so we're only like uh, delivering now, like groceries. Mm. So, um, and the grocery people don't deliver alcohol. That's so, lame. It is. It is. So I had to do a separate delivery uh, for alcohol, and you don't want to just like order a six pack. You just gotta order like for like a, a month. Yeah, like a <laughs> shit ton of alcohol. So that's what I did today, and <laughs> and and tonight I'm drinking uh, three of my favorite beers, which is an uh, an Oxbow Farmhouse, which is local, and then my usual uh, Austin Street uh, Pale Ale, which I love, and then I also have a um a preble uh raspberry sour wait you've got three beers in front of you yeah are you drinking them sequentially or all or alternating <laughs> no no sequentially okay and i'm almost done with the second so i'm about to have to go get a, a fourth oh my gosh <laughs> you could just start by finishing the third <laughs> well i you know i will but oh man it's like the best beer night um, I don't understand why you had to resort to ordering beer when you could just reinstate your wine subscription. Mm-hmm. They bring it right to your door. They do. They do. And I got all of this beer for the same price as six shitty bottles of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would hope so. But yeah. Um, Drizzly is a wonderful thing. It is. Please support us, Drizzly. Give us a call. You don't have to actually pay for sponsorship. You can just mail us alcohol. That's right. Oh, that would work. That's that's a good idea. Yes, yeah, set free alcohol is always acceptable. And that um, applies to really anyone. If you just want to mm-hmm. mail us alcohol, I will give you my personal details. Same. Yeah. I trust you. Just yeah. Don't send me any maple syrup coffee alcohol. I'm gonna. <laughs> Only exclusively send us in maple syrup. Uh, it's alcohol. called maple breakfast out. Oh, oh. <laughs> You're gonna get a case of that from Grizzly. <laughs> um, Dan, what are you drinking? Oh, I am uh, today uh, pulling from the uh, 
the magic liquor cabinet, uh, a little bit of Jura whiskey, uh, which has been there for a while, and but it's almost near the end, so uh, I, I'm not going to finish it tonight. But Dan, yeah. do you have a literal liquor cabinet? No, it's more of a liquor counter space. Oh, <laughs> uh, but it is magical because it does refill from time to time. So, and it doesn't refill when you're like blackout drunk. No, uh, it just sort of like every once in a while a bottle will appear, and that's uh, you know that's that's like a fairy tale. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty nice. It's why I can never move. It's one of the many reasons why I can never move. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, yeah, so so there's that. We'll see if the if the Jura uh, bottle refills magically, or if I have to go get some myself. Which I don't know. That's that seems like a lot of effort. Um, it I think it'll just refill. I think so. Uh, I'm trying to find a good transition. I do not Wait, have a good transition. Before we transition, but, but, I just want yes. to I just want to mention that Alan Coulter has passed away. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I was going to say, is this the, the part that's really awkward because I should know who that is and I don't? Yes and no. He was the uh, red-headed announcer on Letterman. Why would you know that he was red-headed? Oh, because he was in bits a lot. Oh. And, I was thinking uh, like announcer. You only ever know his, his voice. Letterman called him Big Red. Oh. I'm sorry. No, you don't... Well, yeah. I did see that, but I did not... The you name didn't, didn't register for me. Really? Huh. Well, this is a big part of my life, so. God, this is a like a really R. depressing R. episode. Sorry. Well, no, I'm just saying, we started out memorializing Wyatt Snack's problem areas, and now we've moved on to Letterman's announcer. Alan he was Coulter. 78, so good luck. He's, he was doing all right. Well, now I can't do my transition. No, no, I'm sorry. No, maybe I, Jesus. I would... Oh, now you have to do your transition. <laughs> no, my transition is like inappropriate and that was not inappropriate. Well, so I'm assuming we're following the order on your little your your list, right, Dan? Sure. Although so, we already talked about John Stewart, so. so we can take that out. So I was going to say, but Dan, what if you had a transition? Oh, ah. I see. Because. Uh, we were gonna talk about Tor- oh my god I forgot okay I'm sorry Tori keep keep going uh, I'm <laughs> no gonna way. add something to the doc because uh, there's something that we've forgotten but please talk about what if because While I believe you're, you're the it. only one you're the only one disrespectful that yeah sorry from Alan Coulter with that transition uh, that's what I'm saying da- <laughs> God damn it Dustin <laughs> all right you know what now I'm now I can't focus because I want to see what Dan's gonna write <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, I oh. didn't have a minute. Yeah. All right, so yeah. Uh, yeah. It, w- it won't be just a minute. But anyway, sorry. What if uh, All right, Disney so I'll, Plus I'll show... cover. Okay, I'll talk about what if Dan or Dustin get ready. You got to. Yes. All right. <clears throat> so uh, this week is going to be the finale. Actually, the day that this podcast posts, uh, the what if finale will have posted as well. Mm-hmm. However, that works. So um, for those of you who are watching, this will be old news. For those of you who are aren't I guess you'll catch up I don't know point is uh earlier this season we were kind of debating whether there was going to be any sort of overarching arc or if this really was going to be standalone episodes and if this season was building to something what that would look like you know if it could possibly have any bearing on the MCU and I don't know that that it will 
But what the last episode, what last week's episode cemented and what will be kind of played out in this week's finale is that the season ultimately was building up to something. Um, and I think it's still more or less uh, kind of the training wheels for how a multiverse in the Marvel Cinematic Universe would work. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's still kind of interesting in, in it for what it is and how it's playing out. So last week's episode uh, was something about like, what if Ultron won? And so the idea is it goes back to Age of Ultron and what if Ultron had succeeded in putting his consciousness in the vision body which again had the Mind Stone. Mm -hmm. And what would he do if he had gotten that? So he obviously would blow up all the nukes, destroy the world, have a bunch of Ultron drones that then go goes out into the universe and you know brings peace by destroying every living thing. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of stuff about how like Natasha and Hawkeye survived and they're trying to find, you know, the program of, of Armenzola to whatever, infect ultron blah 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 that very quickly becomes like not the point of the episode the point of the episode is that uh the watcher is getting more and more nervous because the other side effect of ultron winning is that when thanos arrives on earth ultron kills him immediately hmm. and collects all of the uh infinity stones so what I had said the previous week where I was like, oh, it was the fun party Thor episode, but then it still ended in a weird way because like an Ultron with all the Infinity Stones shows up and that's the like, that's the cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. That is actually picked up in this episode. That's what Ultron like gets all of the Infinity Stones and then goes out into the universe. But then he, because he's super powerful, just like that evil Doctor Strange in that other episode that was really depressing... He's powerful enough that he hears, he becomes aware of the Watcher narrating. But Ultron has the power to try and find the Watcher. So Ultron is now aware of the multiverse, aware that there's a creature out there watching him, and he, he makes it his mission to find the Watcher. So the Watcher is uh, watching over specifically Black Widow and Hawkeye and debating whether he should interfere to help them find the file that could defeat Ultron. Mm -hmm. And he ultimately doesn't. Uh, but they find it on their own, but then their efforts are unsuccessful because at that point, Ultron has already left their reality and is in the multiverse and, and gets to the Watcher. So the episode ends with <laughs> literally the Watcher, voiced by Jeffrey Wright, punching the crap out of Ultron and getting punched. It's just they fight. Oh. Like everything boils down to another fight. Mm -hmm. Um, and as they fight, they, they basically punch each other through alternate realities. So they're visiting worlds that you've seen, worlds that you haven't seen. Um, so you, again, it's still kind of that idea of like, how is this all constructed? How does it all fit together? Um, but, uh, the watcher realizes even though he's super powerful, he's not going to win against this Ultron. So he goes to the one place that he can find help, which is that one reality that was completely destroyed by that evil Doctor Strange who is stuck there alone. Right. And who had noticed him. Right. So the episode ends with him going and and that Doctor Strange saying, like, no, I need to hear you say it. And and the Watcher has to, like, beg him for help. Mm -hmm. 
So that's where it's going to pick up this finale. Like he will partner with evil Doctor Strange to try and fight this Ultron. Um, I don't know that all of it will bleed into the MCU, but I think uh, this has, I think it's just been kind of a, it's more than a thought exercise. It's still kind of that like, yeah, I think training wheels for just how all of this could work. And I do think like the fact that we're now seeing Jeffrey Wright, not just as the narrator, but as a, as an actual character who has to take action. Mm -hmm. Um, I do, I do think he'll come back at some point. Hmm. So, um, so anyone who is wondering if, what if didn't matter? I mean, I'm still not sure. It's still not necessary, but it wasn't all one-off episodes. They actually are pulling from multiple episodes and there is an arc to the season. Right. Um, hmm. That's interesting. That's cool. Uh, it makes me want to watch it more were I watching anything these days. But uh, <laughs> Fair enough. But so, so you, but at this point, I mean, I, I guess it will depend on the finale, but it doesn't necessarily feel uh, uh, mandatory for, lar- for the MC, other than like learning how to watch multiverse storytelling. Right. I don't think it's mandatory. I think it, you know, it may be like, I mean, I think what they've done with, like, I think that Loki was more or less mandatory, except that even if you hadn't watched Loki, you're going to get an introduction to the multiverse, like whatever Doctor Strange and Spider-Man do in the next Spider-Man movie. Right. Will also sort of cause it. So I think there are... Maybe there's duplications, but I think if you're watching the shows, it may give you exposure to what's coming faster Mm -hmm. and give you a bit more in-depth, you know, how it all fits together. Um, I understand there's also a multiverse in the DC universe as well. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, but the DC universe has rebooted itself a bunch of times. So are you talking about like the the television shows or like the comics? No, 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 the movies because Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton are both playing Batman in The Flash. Oh, the, right, yeah. That's oh. also a universe, um, multiverse. I can't. Yeah, I think so. I think okay. if if the Flash. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to get off the tangent. No, 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 no. I, I haven't been I haven't paying as been paying as much attention to what the what the Flash movie is going to be. Like I know that they're in it, but I can't remember like if they're doing Flashpoint or if they're doing like what they're doing. Um, oh, I think Flashpoint is what they're doing. Is what they're doing. But then they've also kind of done that on the TV show. So I always watch much more of the the CW TV shows for the Flash. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and they have their crossovers, and then I get really confused. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of shows that make sense, <laughs> <laughs> it's time. Uh, we've been waiting for it for months. Uh, it's oh, time guys. for... It's time, we, we need a better title for this segment, because this is not the title, but we need... We need uh, uh, it's time for title. Dustin... Dustin Explains... Lo- oh, sorry, wait, Tori, what was the title? No, I... It, ah. You had it last week. You said it. Uh, and it was perfect. What about celebration? No, that's <laughs> no. terrible. Are you fucking kidding me? No, anyway. it, it was something like he, like Dustin goes into the sinkhole with <laughs> Le, I don't remember. Oh, but you that, did. We have to re listen because you had it last week. Oh, 
God, I, I don't want to listen to it. Anyway, anyway, look, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Dustin is going to introduce us to uh, to the the new hit NBC show it's La Brea. Huge it, yes. Did, uh, which, Toy, did you end up watching it? No. Oh, so man. tell me all about it. I will yes. catch up on it. No, you won't. <sighs> This is this is the only show that I watched this week. <laughs> <laughs> it was totally worth it. So um, they sink into a sinkhole. Right. Who's they? Uh, uh, okay, there's like a family, uh, the Williams family. No, no, Williams family is uh, um, Wonder Years. Um, Natalie Z. Natalie Z, whatever. Her and her son sink into the sinkhole and her daughter and uh, ex or separated husband Mm -hmm. uh, remain in LA. So, um, first of all, they're in the sinkhole. They don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, it slowly dawns on them after they're attacked by, uh, like prehistoric wolves and a uh, saber toothed tiger, uh, that they're actually in, um, Los Angeles. They're exactly where they fell into only like in prehistoric times. Right. And so all of this is all this bad shittery that's going on below is actually not as absurd to me anyway is what's going on above in the present timeline because the um separated husband for some reason <laughs> has been having visions right of uh what's going on in the sinkhole right. he had had visions of the sinkhole before any of this happened mm -hmm. of like a, a an empty forest but now this forest is peopled with like his wife and uh, son mm -hmm. and uh, he sees a familiar rock in his vision and it had a bloody handprint on it and he remembers this rock from his neighborhood. So somehow this rock from prehistoric times with a bloody handprint on it has existed for what thousands of years mm -hmm. and is still in his neighborhood and he goes with, there with the handprint still yes uh-huh mm -hmm. that's not how blood works uh, well i believe it's paint it's paint okay of some sort but oh. and it's in the park it's in the the it's probably in griffith park somewhere in los angeles so yeah paint, nobody, nobody changes parks okay <laughs> so the paint existed for thousands of years yes okay mm-hmm and uh, he goes and he digs around it and he finds his wife's wedding ring that, sh that she had lost in the prehistoric time. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he's trying to also tell like uh, the governmental uh, authority type people that he has these visions. He knows what's going on in the sinkhole because they there's something fishy is going on with the government. They seem to know more than they're letting on. Right. <laughs> about the sinkhole right which is very manifest has anyone found a piece of noah's ark no but Not yet. this this show i think it understands that it's that it's ridiculous mm -hmm. so and i think it's much better it's not taking itself so deadly seriously it's way more fun um and it just it's off the wall but knows it is right well, one thing, Dustin, is the, uh, so the, the, the reason why, I mean, I'm sure you caught all of this, but the, the reason why 
the ex-husband or separated husband, the husband, is having uh, these visions is because he crashed. His, he was in the Air Force. He was a Love pilot. Mm-hmm. He crashed his, uh, his jet because he ran into basically this phenomenon earlier. And that since then, he's had these weird visions. That's why now he can't fly anymore, and he's, like, under stress, and, like, everyone thinks he's crazy, and he's not crazy, um, obviously. And that's also that's also why the government knows more about this, because they are aware that this has happened before, and they have tried to study it, um, although it seems like they have not been able to up to this point. I have a question. Okay. Okay, so, <laughs> why does it have to be a sinkhole? Because, like, okay. Because it allows if, an entire city block to fall into the sinkhole. So they, there's, like, debris from buildings. There's, like, an ambulance. There's, like, supplies. I understand right. that. But you can still have a portal that surrounds a city block and transports it to the past. Right. But you're you're dropping it all in space as if it's dropping in time, but like it's only, but like you don't need to do that to drop in time. Like space and time. <laughs> like I don't know if they understand how these things work. But is it, like you can, like you don't have to move in space to move into, like like it's the same I space, just below different the time. The surface of the Earth was a different time period. That's well. No. So that's where you would be mistaken, Dustin. So I thought so, and that's part of it. Like the the previews also. Like I was expecting them to be doing some sort of journey to the center of the earth thing, where like there's right. a sinkhole no. and it opens up into like it's, this prehistoric land that is, you know, land of the lost. Right. Right. But that's not it. They've gone into the past, and so there's no reason. But the past, like that rock. That that he saw with the paint. Uh, I mean, setting aside the fact that the paint would not last for that many thousands of years, like that rock is now how many hundreds of feet above the past version of the rock? Well, no the the past version of the rock is in the might, sinkhole, right? But the sinkhole, I think, I the think sinkhole is just. I believe, like basically, the sinkhole opened. They fall in. And then there's, at the bottom, instead of it being rock where they would be squashed, there is a portal. Okay. We don't and see that it, dropped but them that's, into the past. And then that okay, the past. so it's portal mechanics. Also, it, it's, it's portal hmm. mechanics, but in a, in a big hole. When they get down there, they also, they haven't met him yet, but there's also a guy that's been down there for a long time. Right, and, like, and why, is he, why is he a white guy if this is thousands know. of years old? No, no, I think he's no, from he's the present. A, yeah. Or uh, at least, like, only a few years in the past the, or whatever. The guy with the beard, I think he's from the present and right. he's been there for a while. And then in the preview, they find, like, dead bodies with, like, uh, FBI uh, outfits on or something. Oh, Ooh. I didn't watch the preview. Yeah, yeah. So there's, like, other people that have been down there and that have mm-hmm. died mm-hmm. from the present. Mm-hmm. Also, what I just, I don't know a lot about it. What is the mythology of the, the La Brea Tar Pits? Uh, as far as I know, it's a tar pit. <laughs> Isn't it like near your house, Dan? It is. It's not near my house. It is. It is not too far from. It's several miles from where I live. Um, the uh, the thing that I did in uh, I did enjoy watching was the uh, not for nothing, but the giant skyscraper that collapses there. I've been in that building many times because uh, uh, my my agent's office is there. <laughs> So, <laughs> I've been on. I've been on. I've been there and s- seen the nice view from that building. But uh, yeah, 
Um, so what you're saying is you absolutely would have been in La Brea. You would have been in the pit. Uh, if, if I happen to be there, it feels like it's a little early in the morning for a meeting, but, um, if I had been there, uh, I would have, uh, yes, I would have fallen in the pit. Uh, although I guess I would have died because it seems like the, it seems like the mechanics of it are, if you were a human who fell, you survive it. But if you were like in a vehicle, they come across someone at one point who's in a vehicle and they're dead. Yeah, so I it's like if you're in the vehicle, that. the vehicle like lands with the full force of being a vehicle. If um, you're just a person, you fall fifty thousand feet out of the air and somehow survive. Right. See, this is the problem with both sinkholes and portal dynamics. They don't <laughs> abide by the laws of gravity. No, they do, but in in dumb, painful ways. Like just set up a portal that you can go into horizontally. Mm-hmm. Oh, why yeah. gravity shouldn't it's just it's all like on, it... on the other hand Tori a port w- without uh, the the benefit of the sinkhole is that it looks real cool uh, at the beginning of a first episode that's yes. true yeah but then also, there's, 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 there's with a sinkhole. rip in the sky in the, t- in the sinkhole right. you can see like this beautiful rip in the sky right you can see how far they fell and didn't die and also, like, some prehistoric birds came out of the sinkhole and into L.A. So that's gonna, oh, right. that's going right. to be a thing. Right. So you can go the other way if you can find your way If up. you can get up high enough. I think it would be really great if, like, a huge chunk of this season was just dedicated to scientists analyzing the birds <laughs> and, like, just ignoring the people in the pit. It's like, no, how are the people in the present looking at these, like, dinosaur birds? Mm-hmm. Well, they did. They did talk about it, and I think they caught one and said, "Like it's that birds have been extinct for fifty thousand years, or whatever they said." Yeah, but like, think about the wealth of information that bird has about evolution. Like, mm, I feel like true. there's a lot more science that the show could do. I don't know. The CGI is really bad. <laughs> I thought you said the rip lens... in the sky was beautiful. Oh, it is, but the CGI animals are like really cheesy, but it sort of lends to the, uh, the the enjoyment of the show. So you're saying I should watch it? Yes, this is exactly the kind of show you would love. I would love it. There, there's also uh, so there's it's there's the Nick uh, Cage of network television. Okay, hey, hey, I don't think that's called for. <laughs> there's also a guy who is high the whole time. Oh yeah, and and actually. <laughs> calls out Lost and says, like, uh, it, what are, we're not an episode, an episode of Lost. Of Lost? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I guess he is, turns out. Um, there's, a, there's a father and daughter who have difficult dynamics, but uh, the father's John Cena, and uh, he's a doctor. And oh, a they'll cop? need, oh, they'll need right. one of those. Is he a doctor and a cop, or is he just a doctor? Oh, I think I, I didn't... I think he was just a doctor. Okay, sorry. He's oh no, he's a doctor, but he used to be in the military. So he was oh, like a okay. medic. Yes, yeah, so he has survival skills and medical skills. Good for him. And uh, and his daughter is real, real. Uh, you Dana know. Brody. <laughs> yeah, there are some Dana Brody vibes. Um, <laughs> also with the son, the son also Dana Brody vibes. Yes, just whines <laughs> and like complains. Mm-hmm. Oh, Even, Julie Julie Taylor. Yeah, yeah. He got, well, I mean, he got bit by a wolf, so he had more reason maybe than Julie oh, Taylor. Did. God, imagine if Julie Taylor got bit by a wolf. Oh. <laughs> Never hear the end of it. Um, there's also a cop 
who is probably going to be the the villain because uh, she's very much like everyone for themselves yeah. and not like we're all in this together. Uh, and there's a guy who is possibly suicidal but is a therapist and for some reason had a gun and also was like even though he says he'd never shot anything before he makes like a perfect shot uh at at a a wolf that is running full speed and so he's a pretty good shot for someone who's never shot a living thing before and he's a there's therapist. a lot of mystery here to he's uncover. a therapist who is who was suicidal but i guess is on board for now hmm I think the mythology is going to be deep and rich. <laughs> <laughs> I really look forward to the to the moment where the mythology takes a backseat to how invested you are in the characters. I don't know that that's going to happen, Dory. I know I'm being sarcastic, <laughs> but you do you do enjoy Natalie Z. So. I do. I love her. Yeah, and and she grounds the whole thing because she's like a good actress. Some of the I mean the, the uh, separated husband he is not. Um, but Natalie Z keeps it keeps it together. To be fair, he had a lot of exposition. Like he, his everything he has is basically either backstory or, uh, or fair. I'm seeing these visions that I think right. are important. So it's hard it's, to like act visions, yeah. I suppose. And oh, and a small thing that I enjoyed was that the I don't know if there is a significance to it or if they just you know decided this is the this is a a useful way to or a useful way to portray a character but the uh, the daughter who is in the present still um she is a amputee and has like a, a i don't know what you call them but like those like a blade leg oh. um, and they never really make much of a meal of it it's just like she right. happens to be an amputee and like it comes up in dialogue maybe once and that's it and um, she's a real life amputee too yeah yeah so and, that's and cool. the only strange thought is like when the sinkhole is falling in she's running in slow-mo and it's kind of bizarre the way they sort of like focus on it but only in that particular sequence because mm. it'll come it'll come back later maybe yeah yeah it'll matter yeah but in the meantime it's nice that they're like you know just in terms of like you don't see amputees on tv very right. often so yeah um, that's cool that's awesome she could outrun the wolf Maybe. Oh, wonder if they need to send her back because she'll she'll be the she'll be the superhero they need. Oh, definitely more people are gonna jump down in there. I don't know that anybody's gonna be able to get back, but they send a Why drone down there, and then and and when it gets to the sinkhole, it fritzes out, which doesn't make a lot of sense. That birds can just fly through, but whatever. Right, but you can't communicate with a drone, you know, through time. Through yeah. Uh, well, okay, fair. Again, we're running up against the the distance time portal dynamics. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there cake at the end of the portal? Oh my god! Can they just drop? Is a it all glados? <laughs> like a helicopter, maybe? I bet. I bet you could do rope. Helicopter, the electronics might fritz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if mm. your rope was long enough, but like, how That's long a lot is of that rope? rope? <laughs> just some yeah. bed sheets you tie together. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you gotta do is, I mean, you can't really get back up, but you put somebody in one of those uh, squirrel paraglider suits. Oh, and just tell them to jump. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, fine. just tell tell them one way trip. 
It was well, a yeah, really it's a long trip, but like bungee cord, so you can see what's going on. <laughs> but again, a very long one. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just drop down there, see yeah. what's going on, bounce right back up. Oh, and there's heroin. <laughs> oh yeah, why? Uh, there's weird. a one of the cars as they were looking for supplies. They opened the trunk, and there's it's a trunk full of heroin. Yeah, that'll... and th- I'm sure it'll come into play at some point, but so far it has not. Oh, uh, yeah, are we sure the therapist wasn't also a drug dealer? Maybe. Possibly. Uh, Either yeah. someone's gonna do a lot of heroin, or somebody there is secretly a drug dealer. Right, but also if you're if you're stuck at this point, it's like, what is the, what's the point in hanging on to that? Like, it's like you're not gonna, are you gonna just defend the heroin and then take it back with you? I don't know. No, I just mean it'll be somebody who like you know has weapons or I don't know. Hmm. I'm just like, are there gonna be dinosaurs? I mean, you have saber toothed tigers around and dinosaurs are around, right? I don't think they lived at the same time. Uh, yeah, Justin. I don't know okay, that they coexisted. I don't know anything about it. But also, I, if you're going to go back in time, why don't you just do it to dinosaur time? Well, that's crazy. That's too far like, back in time. What the hell, man? How is I mean, the like, pendant going to survive millions of years? I mean, like, saber-toothed tigers are fine, but, like, you had the option to go a little bit further and have mm-hmm. dinosaurs. Right. I think there's, like, a woolly mammoth in the preview for... Uh, next week that would make sense are there going to be because there are there were woolly mammoths in the uh, tar pit yeah I don't I I don't know if there would be a caveman well there's at least the one guy who is uh, who has been there and looks like he's gone native oh do you think think Natalie Z will um, start up a romance with a caveman oh well I mean it's, it's, it's possible I feel like this show is set up to re reunite the uh, nuclear family, though. So, I seems... don't know. The medic is single. Oh, you daughter. think that she's going to end up with John Cena? Yeah. Oh. oh no! But what if it turns into Encino Man? So like they reunite, <laughs> but then the caveman unthaws. Mm-hmm. It's where you have to you have to watch to catch all the. Uh, Intricacies of La Brea. <laughs> it's so much fun. I'm very much looking forward to your uh, updates every week, but I will watch. I'm sorry, I had too much Squid Game to get through. That's true. There's a lot of Squid Game, and uh, if you have not seen all of Squid Game, uh, like me, save yourself now. Uh, the w- when we get to Ted Lasso, it'll be marked in the notes, but. Uh, so you can skip ahead, but uh, we're about to spoil a lot of Squid Game. I assume I've only seen the first episode. I mean, do you want to talk Ted Lasso first? No, no, no. Let's let's do this. I don't. I, okay. not, I mean, are we gonna spoil? I don't know. We haven't really. What do we want to say only about? That, you, you finished it today, right? I finished it. Yes. Yeah. There's not. I mean, there's not much to spoil except for the very end. But I mean, otherwise. And also well, everything that happens along the way. Well, well, sure, <laughs> but I mean, there's nothing. Spoilery to say that this is a, a basically Hunger Games with kid games, mm-hmm. but yeah. also like an indictment of capitalism and right. super violent mm-hmm. and super intense and really grim, but yeah. also really good and really addictive. Mm-hmm. It is very addictive. Um, Dan, you only saw the first episode. 
Yes. Do you think you will watch more, or are you kind of like... I will continue to watch, but also do not... I, I am... I do not care about spoilers. I'm not, like... Uh, I, I will watch regardless, so please have the conversation. Um, it, cause, because this is the show that kind of has taken over the zeitgeist for the past week. Yeah. Um, like, when Facebook and, uh, went down today, every other meme was Squid Game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, one of the things I liked as the series went on, like, there's one episode where a couple of characters that you've grown close to all kind of get offed in the same episode, and it's, that's a real turning point for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's an interesting dynamic that plays out that I think is is... I like the finale up to a point. And one of the things it questions is like, so, so the whole idea is these people are playing these games for, for money and every player that is eliminated, like if they lose the game, they die. But also to make the game interesting, the, the people who are running the game encourage or, or sort of tend to behind the scenes set up scenarios where players can like, fight amongst themselves in between games. There's no punishment for like strangling someone in their bed at night, say. Hmm. So it gets so as the players start figuring out that they can that they can do this, um it the obviously like the scenario gets more and more chaotic and they kind of right. never know when they need to be on their guard or not. Right. Um and so there's this this kind of question that plays out which is, you know, uh, the game is supposed to be about giving people who are they pretty much only go out to people who are deeply in debt so you know giving them a fair shake like how do you like the the people who, who have set up the game are actually very as much as they'll allow them to it's not cheating for them to fight in the, you know the bunk room at night but on the other hand like if somebody is getting um, tips about the game like that's that is cheating. That is that is giving them an unfair advantage, and they actually do in some perverse way want to keep the game fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you end up with this final scenario where you have a main character who has been kind of helping people along the way in in sometimes just very sweet manners, um, and it doesn't mean that he hasn't also. Um, done a little bit of cheating but for the most part he's really been helping and then you have one guy who has like backstabbed the whole time and the main character is like so angry about it and you think he's like going into this final game to like kill that character because Mm -hmm. the guy was the guy was very consciously like willing to narrow the pool himself Mm-hmm. rather than just playing the games like the games would have eliminated people no matter what like you just had to win right <laughs> like he didn't need to be offing the competition um and so you end up in this final game where the the main character like has his opportunity to kill this guy and he still doesn't he actually tries to save him like he tries to have the game uh he not only refuses to kill him, so he has, he, there's a couple ways he can go. He can kill the guy because the, the final game ends if uh, a player reaches kind of the goal or if the other player is incapacitated. 
-hmm. So dead. So if they can no longer play by default, the other player wins. Mm -hmm. So he's got the guy pinned on the ground. He could kill him. Doesn't kill him. Then he's walking to the goal. So he would just win. And then the, the people running the game would kill that guy. Right. And then he doesn't want that either. So he turns around and tries to get the guy to agree to forfeit the game. Like, if we both say we want to end the game, they'll just right. end it. But if you end right. it, all the money is gone. Right. And so the guy kills himself. Which doesn't quite track, but fair enough. Um, but I, I did appreciate that they have this through line of, like, you know, the, the things that you can... <sighs> that character was uh, convinced that winning at all costs like like taking all of these shortcuts was worth it mm -hmm. and and you have this other player who's like you know we're all in this game together like at, at the end of the day there's gonna be a winner you you don't have to be a shithead along to, to to do it right um so i don't know I, I did like that i'm not sure i like the way that they have opened up the finale to the possibility of a second season mm-hmm that was a little bit frustrating. Um, so the brother thing sort of resolved weirdly. Like the, the, the cop that... Yeah, infiltrates the island. Yeah. Yeah. I was convinced the hot slapper bro was going to be the, the brother. Oh, oh, that would have been good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did not see the old man twist coming. I did not either. Not yeah. even for a second. Not even for a second. That was uh yeah, I like I that you're you're still trying to be kind of vague. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's like I'm hearing all this. I'm like, oh, okay. So there's stuff coming with those characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, how about like just in? I mean, and honestly, you can as far. I mean, for the listeners, it's up to you. But like, as far as I'm concerned, I don't. It's fine. Um, but uh, just in terms of like the. One thing that a lot of people have talked about is kind of like the, the way that the show comments on kind of, you know, capitalism and the, the uh, precarious position that the world is kind of in. Right. Um, how do you feel about the way it kind of addressed those issues, um, having seen the whole thing? Mm. I understand that it's an indictment of capitalism, but it doesn't... I don't it doesn't know. get too preachy. Yeah, it doesn't. Mm. It's still entertaining. I mean, it's it's baked in by the fact that, like, you literally have a game of rich people betting on poor yeah, people they're... risking their lives. And they make mm -hmm. the analogy later on. It's like, you guys, like, are just, it's just like going to the horse races. Like, you're just right, horses. Right. There's a bunch right. of fat cat Americans are. Uh, uh, yeah, the fact that most of it's like, there's like a Russian, I think, and like some Americans. And okay. um, it's like an inner, and so that's the other thing. It's like an international cabal. So mm -hmm. I think the implication is maybe this happens in other countries too. Mm -hmm. um, I think the the there's one bit at the end where um, the old man tries to compare it with like if you're really rich and if you're really poor, um, the yeah, same thing happens, like which is yeah. that you're like you're both living lives that like you're unsatisfied with. But, but the whole thing for him is just like, yeah, because like when you're really rich, you get bored 
And it's like, that's not the problem that poor mm. people have. Mm. So like, that's a little bit like, I, you know, I think they're certainly highlighting the kind of, uh, obviously the only the way to combat, the only way to combat boredom is to hold a game in which people kill each other. Right. right. You know, and his whole thing is like, and that's why he went from betting on the game to actually playing in it. Cause he could like feel alive again. Um, mm -hmm. but I do, I do think that what I was saying about like the, the two characters, the one who's willing to like kind of cheat and do all the stuff and the one who is like trying to maintain some sense of honor. I think it's, it's, it's very obvious that the, the level of debt and the, the economic imbalance and the, the holes that you get stuck in that are become more and more impossible to get out of. Right. Um, that bit is just like, well, that's life. Like that, like that bit is just accurately demonstrating, you know, what the world is like for a lot of people. Right. Um, I think the real commentary is sort of in how, how these characters operate within that system. Mm -hmm. And so even in this game, that's supposed to be fair. You have people who choose to, make it not fair right who who take shortcuts and who and one of them is like and so and the characters that you meet who are playing the game are really interesting like there's one um who's very much like a mafia kind of thug mm -hmm. um the one that makes it all the way to the end that has been like killing people or lying to them or tricking them or, and like all this stuff the whole time is a stark stock market bro mm -hmm. his whole problem like he bet a lot of you know he was he was doing the stock market and he lost a lot of money mm -hmm. and it's so much money he can't get out of it but he also was like highly educated and like was supposed to be this like you know um shining he, he, star he's supposed to be the the success right the, one the success it. story right. right and so like you know to him it's like he you know to all of these characters they need a lot of money mm-hmm but he literally needs like the amount of money. Like, it, so all of them could have like, if they got to the end of the game and had to split it four ways or whatever, like they would still be able to cut their, cover their debts. He's the one character that because he was playing on such a high level, it's like, no, he probably needs like that entire piggy bank, <laughs> like of, of like, you know, 46 billion won or whatever. Like, like he needs, he doesn't want to share it. Right. Um, but I think it's interesting that he becomes ultimately like kind of the big villain where he's the one that like, it's not just that he had gambling debt. It's not just that he like his business went under, like all of them are more or less humble. And right. he's the one that like should have had everything going for him and screwed up on a huge scale. Right. So I think that's where the, the bigger commentary is, is just like, we're all stuck in this capitalist system together mm -hmm. but right. how do we how do we what rules do we follow how do we behave right it's a uh, interesting sort of compliment to parasite and why is it that, what what is it about south korea that this is like a i don't know it's fascinating like the most popular netflix series of all time apparently and the oscar winner of 2019 both came out of south korea and they're both about capitalism. Right. Right. Well, capitalism, but also like deep class division. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, well, it makes sense. I mean, at, at least, I mean, I, I do not, I'm not an expert on South Korea at all, obviously. But just like 
from like the little I know about, I mean, you know, the like Seoul and some of the some of the city. One, they have some of the most advanced cities on the planet. Right. So so that's part of it, and so they they are kind of like you know at the forefront of of high class society in in a lot of ways, but. It's very consciously, and I mean, you know, the shows show this as much, and Parasite shows as much. That like, it it is still functionally built on a society that was, you know, I mean, seventy years ago was decimated by war. Uh, you know, as soon, recently as like thirty years ago, they were like the the manufacturing hub for a lot of the world, and so there's been this huge rise in a generation of like, you know, the the country becoming you know, super wealthy in certain ways, but that doesn't, obviously that doesn't lift everybody. So it leads right. to this stark divide. Um, also, it's a very small country geographically compared to, so like, you know, we have very similar problems here in America, but we're, we're, uh, it, we're, we're so geographically separated that it doesn't, it's not on top of each other in right. the same way. Right. You can kind of go like, oh, well, of course, New York City is really expensive, but right. like you don't have to live there. Right. Um, yeah, it's. But I, it's find pretty... it, I mean, it's really good. Mm -hmm. Is it worthy of being the best Netflix or like the, the most popular Netflix show ever? Mm -hmm. I don't know. <gasps> I mean, I think it's enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I like I really enjoyed it. But there are a lot of Netflix shows I've I've binged and really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. I think it's certainly interesting if this is bigger than like the series that they, especially considering this was what nine episodes. Yeah, and, then, and this also seemed to come. I don't did it come out of nowhere? I think it did. Did in the states anyway. But they so the thing they've had a huge South Korean pipeline of content. Mm -hmm. And, like, yeah. we've talked about it. Like, they, I mean, to me, I'm like, I hope people get really into this and then go back and discover Sweet Home because, like, right. that show still hasn't been picked up for a second season. Right. <laughs> I really want it. Like, so I think there's been, um, I think it's a combination of, like, the topic, certainly the title. Like, I think it's really enticing. Mm -hmm. um, oh but God, I also. I didn't know anything about it when I watched it. And I was going to, I thought it was a. I thought it was a reality show and the way people were talking about it like initially I thought oh I'll just watch this with my family yeah but also when you think about like <laughs> battle royale yeah no right. but <laughs> no, when you think no. about like battle royale or hunger games like there is a, a sort of I think what's interesting is a lot of times we think about these sort of death games as being like a dystopian fiction mm -hmm. and here it's like very yeah, much not yeah. dystopian. <laughs> it's right. like, no, what if this shit was just happening anywhere right. in the world? Like, it's just just happening behind the scenes. Right. Um, there's also yeah. been a, uh, I mean, you know, between the rise of uh, popularity in uh, Korean drama uh, to the rise of K-pop in right. the larger consciousness oh, yeah. outside of Asia. And I mean, so I mean, it's, it's all been on top of that, on top of all the Netflix show, Netflix shows. So it's all, it's all been kind of building and uh, yeah, it, it, but it, it is kind of uh, lucky that this show happens to hit kind of at the right moment um, to, 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 you know, ride that wave and to push the wave higher even. 
But like, so this is bigger than, you know, Daredevil or the Marvel shows, Mm -hmm. you know. Is it bigger than Manifest? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I know they're measured on different metrics because that's an acquired show versus uh, an original. Wait, actually, Dustin, you might know this. Are they going to, is Kingdom over? The Korean zombie show? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. I thought there was another season coming, but I don't know. I can't. I thought there was two. Well, they did a movie that was like a prequel. It was more or less just like a long special episode. Uh, I I imagine it'll come back. That's, I mean, worldwide it was probably huge, and that's what really matters. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. <sighs> anyway, Kingdom. so Squid Game was good, but if you liked Squid Game, go look at other things because. Netflix has a ton of really, really good Korean content. Mm-hmm. Like Space Sweepers. <laughs> <laughs> or there's also, I mean, I, I'm uh, just as guilty of not watching because I haven't seen this yet either. But there is a, uh, there's a Japanese uh, kind of, I think, it's, uh, I think it's more dystopian, but like a Japanese survival game kind of premise uh, called Alice in Borderlands, which I've been told yes. to watch by several people. Um, and it's not similar. It's just like, I, I think it's similar-ish setup. Um, and uh, I've, I've heard that that's good also. I have as well. Yeah, I don't know like what, I think it's lucky timing, lucky title, lucky artwork, lucky just hit, hitting the algorithm at the right time. Like I think Squid Game is really good, but I think actually there's a lot of stuff that, had it had all of the stars aligned could have hit the way that squid game did mm-hmm. right so like that german show we watched dark yes god that show was so i mean that <laughs> one was no that was never gonna be a squid game <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, there was some squid games is it's complex but also really simple it's very, mm-hmm. it's character driven. I think like the concept is what like gets you in in the first couple episodes, but by episode three or four, it very quickly becomes like, yeah. oh, you're you stick around for the characters, right? Because I hated like I remember telling you when I was like, oh, I've only seen two episodes, but man, I like hate that main character, mm-hmm. like it, he's really he's really annoying, and you just fall in love with him, mm-hmm. like he's not perfect. But you really start to like, yeah, the characters are what, what keep you hooked on the show. Right. Especially, ironically, the old man. I know. I loved him. <laughs> God damn it. Hmm. Well, going, going from uh, the, the, the show of the year this year to the show of last year and also like- this year. Look at that transition. Ted Lasso. God damn it. Motherfucker. Uh, so we are, uh, we're, we are in negotiations with uh, Cord Lasselton to see if he will uh, join us after the finale. Uh, just to tee that up there. It, it should happen, but, you know, we'll see, we'll see if schedules align. Um, but uh, anyway, last week, the penultimate episode of uh, of Ted Lasso, uh, Dustin sounded like he had something to get off his chest. I ride right to the ending, just fucking god, that asshole. I I mean they've mm, done a really good job of 
turning a fan favorite into a villain. And by the end of the episode, I fucking hated Nate. Just mm-hmm. hated him. What but a- I do, I do like how it's, it's not out of nowhere. Like we've right. seen it this season, oh, not, and I think, yeah. and that insecurity was always a part of him last season. Right. And and certainly the the ability to be vicious. So it it's all been built in, but it's just that you you. He had that underdog victory story in the first season, and you want, and so we are we're primed to root for him, yeah. And right. so I think there was still this level of like, even though we're seeing everything that he was really capable of this season, you're still hoping that some something will intercede and save him. But it's like the minute he backstabs Ted. That that yeah. is definitely the thing of like oh he's. He's crossed a line that he he can't be redeemed this season, obviously. Right. Right. He can only get worse. He'll yeah, he could get worse. He could leave. He could you know. Um, it's been really dramatic and I just phenomenal to turn this particular character into a villain because he would be the least likely villain after the first season i think but i also think like given you wouldn't expect him because he was given the underdog storyline in the first season but i also think that with the turn that the second season has taken toward mental health yeah the character with the deepest insecurities because you think about that that is essentially what jamie was but jamie has been processing his stuff so nate is like behind the ball on that front because no one and again because i think ted has not been he's been on his own journey he hasn't stepped he hasn't paid attention beard has seen it but hasn't done enough Mm -hmm. roy came in too late and i don't and wasn't aware like i don't think roy is the kind of person who would necessarily pick up on all that unless it was in his face or he would just yell at him um (laughs) But I, you know, I do think that like, you know, if this show is really about like people's vulnerabilities and how they behave because of them and how they grapple with them and and grow or change or, you know, address them, um, then yeah, like Nate's insecurities have always been an issue. And when you're that, I mean, realistically, that's how that plays out. Right, right. I absolutely see that. It's just like when they sat down in the writer's room at the beginning of the season and they were like, yeah. how do we break this this story? And then they were like, let's turn Nate into the bad guy. I mean... But it makes you curious. Like, yeah, did yeah. they know that in the first season? Like, did right. they already know? The At least from a... You know, in, in the in the press and when they when they talk about the, uh, the season arcs, um, Bill Lawrence has always said that that Sudeikis came in with a very specific, uh, uh, with, with some of these longer arcs in mind, even from the beginning. So, yeah. um, so uh, yeah, I think it's plausible, especially if you look at the kind of things that, that were planted, uh, as you said, Tori, that, um, that, yeah, that, that they at least had a, uh, you know, they knew that they were aiming in this way and it was just a matter of, you know, playing it one way in season one when he's an underdog and then turning it in season two when uh, when he's not. 
And when you think about, like, you know, I'm not as worried because the show has a track record of redeeming its villains. Mm -hmm. So, like, Rebecca was the villain of season one. Mm -hmm. And until she wasn't. Um, Jamie was the villain until he wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I like that they take the character who wasn't and he now becomes it. And you still have another season to, to deal with the fallout of that. Right. Um, I guess the other big question is where do you guys stand on uh, Roy and Keeley? Oh, oh, I I feel like (laughs) I feel like there's an engagement coming in the finale. You think so? Hmm. I do. I think that's, I think yes, I do. I think he was he didn't like hearing Keeley say that about Jamie but I don't think it I I don't know I feel like he's gonna I thought when he left the teacher he was gonna go propose when she was when she was like are you married and he sort of walked away I was like oh no but I should be I thought I thought that was an interesting moment because he clearly recognized what he did like he should have said like no but I have someone and he didn't right but I also took at it as like he was interrupted by his phone like he the reason he didn't he wasn't really paying attention to his conversation is that he was already like talking to keely on his phone or whatever so there was a part of me that was like you know he's confessing to something that i didn't think was really intentional and i was surprised he even noticed that he did it in the first place mm-hmm. like it seemed like such a non-event compared to what keely had to con- to share and obviously what happened between her and Nate was not her doing. Right. Um, and what yeah, happened between her and, yeah. yeah. And what happened with her and Jamie was not her doing. Um, you know, and so I was, I was, you know, it's weird to think that like that was a confession, even though it's not really, that's not really the right word. Cause it's not like she did anything wrong. It's more like I need right. to share some awkward news with you right and the fact that roy was able to continue for those pictures and didn't like go chase jamie down i thought was i i i'm more surprised that he seemed more taken back i i mean i guess i'm not i don't i thought nate was gonna be a bigger backstab to roy Mm -hmm. but he he definitely seemed to take jamie harder and i know she had a an actual relationship with jamie but right I I have a I have a I don't want to make this prediction because oh. I, I you think well, they're going to break up and then get back together next you're season. One, uh, you're you're one for two. I'm one for two. Uh, <sighs> I think they're going to break up because I think what that moment told us. I think what what that whole storyline told us was that, um, you know, for for Roy, you know, the 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 Nate thing I understand because he's not. Um, Oh, he doesn't feel threatened by Nate, regardless. Um, right. Jamie's a threat, but I think the, I think what Roy is coming to realize in that moment is not that he's thrown by the fact that Jamie is still in love with Keely, but it's that he's thrown by the fact that he's not thrown off. Like he feels like he should be. Where is he? I'm going to kill him, and he's not. And I think that that ties in with the fact that he didn't tell the teacher that. He has a girlfriend. It's not that, it's not that it's a big oh. omission or anything, but it's that it's that he's he's coming around to realize that he doesn't feel 
the way about Keeley that he assumes he should. Uh, oh. And 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 going back a couple episodes to the to the um, the funeral, uh, the funeral. Uh, I didn't. Someone pointed this out, and I don't remember who, and I apologize for that. But uh, it was uh, Keeley didn't say "I love you" to either of them. The only person she says "I love you" to in the episode is Rebecca, and so she's also on this trajectory where this relationship is good for them and has been good for them, and maybe you know deep down somewhere they do love each other, but. They're not. They're they're on. Uh, they're they're at kind of like a, a crossroads, and I, I think, I feel like they're gonna amicably split, but still, I think they're gonna split. Okay. Well, first off, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that is the only appropriate reaction, and I respect that. Um, I was leaning more to it toward Dustin's thing of like maybe they get like there's a proposal, but I also think that's too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I keep going back to the beginning of the season with, because I will think about this scene constantly, but you know, with him going down on her with the video. Um, and I'm just like, that is love. <laughs> like, I don't care if she said, I love you to Rebecca. <laughs> like she gets off on watching Roy cry. <laughs> this is, uh, that's some forever shit. So mm. I don't know. I would have a hard time thinking they've built up their relationship. I mean, it is a very Ted Lasso thing to do to be like, and we built it up so much and then it's still not quite enough. So I think there's there, this is going to cause them to do a lot of soul searching Mm-hmm. but I'm really I'm not sure I'm convinced that it'll lead to a proposal or to them splitting I think it might just be you know a conversation right it might mm-hmm. be the boring option which is just you know how do you function as mature adults in a in a relationship right they've started that ball rolling with this conversation right and I feel like um Parks and Rec and Mike Sure in general has sort of like sort of like uh, conditioned us or not conditioned, I, I don't know what the word is but like we now understand that the will they won't they relationships are not necessary you can keep a couple together and, and, and they can still it, the drama can still work right. right so I don't feel like they would unnecessarily break them up just to keep this will they won't they thing going on. Oh right, except I'm not that's not what I'm suggesting. No, no, I you just think that they they're not. Yeah. yeah, like for genuine reasons they're not as in love as they thought they were. Yeah. Or yeah. <sighs> you don't think they're in game. I don't think they're in game. Hmm. But um I don't know who I mean who else would be well, there? Well, no, I think that's... I don't disagree with Dan on that point. I think the show could very easily kind of go, like, there doesn't have to be an end game. Right. Like, maybe it's actually about friendship. And, like, you know, Keely doesn't need a man. Right. She has built up... She has Rebecca. She has these friends. Like, they don't... Right. And she's someone who... Both she and Rebecca were... So, I, I don't know if they end up in the same space by the end, but... She and Rebecca both are people who had 
previously defined themselves by their relationships. Keely kind of on the paparazzi side and like being a, you know, dating young, hot uh, soccer players, athletes, and, and Rebecca on the Mary Rupert side. And right. so they were they were kind of solely defined by, even though they were on kind of slightly different trajectories, they were, uh, it, it was a similar but slightly different trajectory. And so I think it's, it and whether or not they end up partnered up or not by the end of the series, it does feel like they're both kind of like learning that lesson of, you know, what does it mean to, you know, to what does it mean for them to find happiness? Do they need to be in a relationship? Do they not? Um, for Rebecca, partially because of the way they've leaned into it this season, you know, she's definitely more on that track as far as like I desperately need to be, don't want to be alone. Um, but questioning so, like her choices because of that, yeah. Right. So so maybe she's the one who ends up alone, but okay with it, and then Keely, you know, ends up in a in a in a relationship that that suits her um uh maybe with sassy uh but what what is what is roy without keely i mean he's like the perfect man because of how he right and and i think that i think that that's great that he has grown with her but i think that he has to he has to prove not within the sh- well I guess within the show but he he essentially has to prove that he can be that person without her yeah and actually and not to I hate agreeing with Dan <laughs> I hate it right now but uh, the fact that that whole soul bearing conversation that whole moment happened when Keely was doing a photo shoot for her like basically the biggest accolade of her as an independent woman right like where it's not about her being a model, it's it's actually about like her her business acumen and her like something that's beyond her looks or her relationships. Right. Right. Um, she you know she's getting recognized for who she is. Right. And so and and she has that talk with Nate earlier where she's talking about like you know you and I like we both you know we have dreams and we go for them. Um, I Roy do think keep him from that. No, he doesn't. And I'm not saying, but I, I, I think it's that journey of... Nothing but supportive. I, I agree. And she has been supportive of him, pushing him in directions that he would be uncomfortable going, but that are ultimately good for him. Right. But I think there is a level. And again, I think there is a way for them to coexist as they are without getting married and without breaking up. Right. I think it's that, you know, when you continue to grow together right as individuals right and Um, and that would be the most that would be the unexpected choice so that's actually that's definitely in play Mm -hmm. you know and maybe it's that roy doesn't you know forgives jamie and doesn't have to touch nate because ted's dealing with nate or whatever like you know I, i i'm not saying it should peter out but i think that i think there is a play there that isn't the the nuclear option on either side right but the flip side is that oh god i hate this um (laughs) i hate even thinking about this um yeah i mean i agree with you with nate or with uh with roy that showing his growth without her is important i i don't think he's that interesting a person outside of the context of his 
relationship to women. I I don't know. And, you know, and maybe it's that. I think what's interesting is like, so Keely was tempted by, not tempted. We I don't think she was tempted at all. But I think the fact that like what's dangled for her is um, Jamie mm -hmm. and X. And what's dangled for him is, you know, one area of, of Roy's life that he does take pleasure with is, you know, is his relationship with his niece. Mm -hmm. And the school mm. teacher who will like, you know, who, who speaks to that portion of his life. But it, it's not like Keeley is separate from his life with his niece. Like that is something that he has always been able to, to have. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, I think it's interesting that like she pushed him for the commentator job. He picked the coaching job on his own. Mm-hmm what she pushed him toward was you know valuable i think he learned something from him but it wasn't ultimately the right thing right. and so if they were to break up i can see it being the storyline of like accepting how the idea of end game can be a myth and that mm -hmm. like we all mm. exist in chapters in our life and some of those chapters are longer than others right but it's it's the denial of this idea of like a soulmate right you know like they and, could be the longest chapter or maybe they've they learn what they need to from each other in part ways right and it doesn't part of it is being able to view that as not a failed relationship but as a relationship right. that ran its course and uh it, both parties got uh, what hmm. they needed out of it and i don't think that Sudeikis <laughs> is writing. Uh, Sudeikis is Ted Lasso. He is not Roy Kent. So he's not writing his his life into Roy and Keeley. He no. might be into into Ted and his ex wife. But Dan, you are uh, you've watched all of Bill Lawrence. You are mm -hmm. a television writer. How would you end this season? Oh, I would end the season by having them win their game and be promoted to the Premier League, and every other story is a loss. So Sam leaves, uh, Nate gets fired, uh, Ted, I don't know, I, I don't think Rebecca would fire him, but there's some... Why some issue that comes Ted up. Fire, why would Rebecca well, fire him? I, I don't think she would. But but the the uh, the up. I don't know what the fallout is will be of the uproar about his uh, his panic attack uh, yeah. because I don't I don't think that she will fire him. But no, I can't. I don't, but I but I think that but there will be some kind of him. but there will be some kind of consequence, and I don't know what that is. Um, but he that consequence is a down note. Uh, I think I think the the second greyhound dog gets murdered. I think uh, I think Beard and okay. Jane Beard and Jane get engaged. That's the that's oh. the dark. That's the dark now you're just that being story. rude. Yes. Um, you know who Bill? Is, uh, I mean uh, Beard is. He's he's the Ted of the show that they also had on uh, Cougar Town. I forget what his name was on Cougar Town. The the lawyer on oh. Scrubs and then oh Ted Buckland. Ted Buckland and then on uh, Cougar Town he was the neighbor. And then on uh, this, he's Beard. Huh. So do you think the biggest loss would be Nate getting fired? Or do you think it would be Nate leaving for another team? Oh, I think it's Nate leaving for another team. I think it's oh, him okay. assuming that he will be 
Uh, not that whether he actually believes it or not, he he does this leak in part to may, maybe I mean there is a version where this is this probably doesn't make any sense in terms of like soccer or football, but um, you know Ted either steps down or doesn't coach the final game uh, because it's a distraction or whatever. This is this is not a this right. is not a an actual good version, but this is just a way that it could play out where. Uh, you know, Ted says, I'm not going to coach for the good of the team because, you know, there's too much of a storm around me. And so my assistants will handle it. They're all very capable. Nate wins the game or, you know, feels like he wins the game or takes credit for it, whether he did or not, and gets poached as a, a to coach another team. Um, probably one that Rupert has secretly purchased uh, mm. since he gave up his shares in uh, AFC Richmond. Um, yeah, so so I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a... I don't know. That's that there is a much better version of that than than what I've just, you know. No, I see what you're saying. But I definitely agree that. I mean, this the Friday night Friday night lights thing is like the best endings were the bittersweet ones where there was right. like victories. And I, I don't, I don't know that you need to take down Roy and Healy to, to do uh, that. Yeah. Oh, I think you take everybody down. I think every I think they they accomplished their goal. Their goal coming into the season was to be promoted and it undoes all the personal growth that they've made. I can't that I, do that. I hate that you I agree with you. You have another not season. After, you have another after, season yeah, for it. I do agree. I do not think after that the therapist makes I, so much progress. She's gone. She left. She left. I think that um Roy and Keeley could take a break. Mm-hmm. I could see them kind of going like, we need some space, and maybe it ends on that That's note. a will-they-won't-they they thing, and I don't think they're going to go there. I mean, look, my ideal is Although, that... Although, Zach, I mean, JD and, uh, 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 what's her, uh, Sarah Chalit, yeah, they did have will-they-won't-they they for fucking ever. That's different, though. That's a function of having to do nine seasons of a show of yes. 20 something episodes per season yeah. per season um anyway sorry tori what what were your predictions no i think <laughs> i'm just so angry at you dan <laughs> <laughs> i could be wrong and look this show i will i will say one thing that i've appreciated about ted lasso just from a pure television standpoint is that they have at almost every turn they have managed to find a way to not take the expected route. Um, yes. So, so I think that they are, you know, they're very smart about that, and they they will. Um, I think that regardless of what happens, they will find a way to make it feel appropriate, even if it's unexpected. Um, what you're saying is, we. I look forward to them proving all of us, but mostly you, wrong. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I I will happily be wrong and realize that it's because, you know, I'm I'm just thinking about traditional structure and they're, you know, subverting that at every turn. The real the real kick in the pants is gonna be when Cord Lasselton comes and we all like <laughs> side with him. We all have to be on look, we all have to agree 
then no matter what, we're on the same team yes. when Cord is on the podcast. <laughs> yes. Yo, yeah, it's just like Squid Game. We have to form an alliance mm-hmm. and right. then, like, shiv him in his bed. Yeah. But, like, nicely, because he's our <laughs> yeah. friend. Look, no matter what, look, this is just between the three of us and also anyone listening. Uh, no matter what, when Cord is on the episode next week, we are all in this together. <laughs> yes. Whatever he thinks, yes, we will he, disagree with. He is wrong. He's <laughs> imperative. I like how any sense of like actual integrity we have is out the window. Yeah. Um, this oh, feels like, a... like one, note, one final note. Yeah, yeah. It was like a huge thing. Trent Krem, the independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, journalistic uh, reach. Everyone's making a big deal out of it. And I'm like, guys, it's okay. It's he a, just like really likes show. Ted. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. But that I, that I don't yeah. have a problem with. I but my first thought was like, you can't do that. <laughs> you, I mean, after my no, my first thought was Nate's a motherfucker, and then my second thought was, you you can't do that. Right. Although, yeah, uh, because that... I respect you, it was Nate. <laughs> <laughs> that does remind me, though. It uh, this episode. I mean, it's been uh, apparent all through the series, but this episode in particular kind of reminded me that this show is maybe the best that I've seen at doing storytelling through text that we do or do not read. I mean, like, the the Trent Crim scene plays out in, you know, text. Uh, the uh, oh, yeah, yeah. the big the big Sam kind of like moment the dot, when, dot, dots the, the dots and uh, and in this episode it's not text but like when he talks to his dad on the phone again we don't even hear the dad side of it but um, you know we get to uh, we get to experience that joy with Sam um, and with uh, with Ted reading uh, reading the doctor's letter to him that we never get to see. Oh my god, but his face. Oh, I cried. I just cried. Right. His reaction shot. God damn it. So and good. they do they do a lot of they they've done over the course of the series, but also especially in this episode, so much storytelling through where fundamentally that's that shouldn't work because it should be flat because it's just we're just seeing one side. But uh between the performances and the music, uh they're doing a good job of uh making us feel what they want us to feel. I also think it's the build-up, too. Like, I... One thing I noticed was that it took me a few episodes. Like, because you... Ted Lasso didn't hit, you know, come out of the gate being able to impact me the way that it does. Right. But as you watch it, you become more and more invested in these characters and in the actors and in the performances and all the little ways the show ticks. Right. And so there there was a point I remember I told you guys when I was like, God damn it, you know, you made me watch the show and now I'm crying at this show. And I was probably like half, well, I was like five episodes into the first season. Mm-hmm. And I have cried every single episode since. <laughs> like from the moment the first season made me cry, every single episode has brought me to tears at least once. Mm-hmm. And sometimes not even, not because it's sad. Just because, like, Jason Sudeikis' face is really touching in that scene where he's not doing anything but reading a letter. Like, it's right. just, you you bring so much of yourself into it. Right. And I, I think that's also kind of impressive where it's like, if you were to take this at any single episode out of context, 
those things, those choices wouldn't work, but it's because of the di- the relationship it is built with viewers over the course of it. Right. Um, we fill in those gaps. Right. A really good show. <laughs> <laughs> Newsflash. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. No matter what Cord Lasselton says. <laughs> well, Literally we will find out. We will argue with him. We will find out what Cord will say next week, hopefully. <gasps> What if he comes in and he's like, I love it. And we have to disagree with that. <laughs> uh, we will, we'll set up a bunch of straw men to attack him with. So it'll yes. be fine. Um, <laughs> it, it's very late for, for the two of you on the East Coast. So I feel like we should go. Um, that's the show. We'll be back next week, hopefully with Cord Lasson. He is a soft yes right now. So we will, uh, we'll, we'll firm that up. He'll be here. <laughs> I'm sure he will. It's just a matter of, you know, schedule and everything. Uh, mostly getting him to adhere to our schedule, uh, and uh, that's that's it. Uh, what, one last one last question before you go: uh, How how far would so you can pick either La Brea or Squid Game? Uh, wh- how far into the series would you survive if if you were to snap judgment? How far do you think you'd make it, uh, Tori? Uh, I would make it much farther in La Brea. Than Squid Game, I would have I would have fallen over in the first game and in, in Squid okay. Game, I would have been okay. like red light, reading light, and just like fell on my face. <laughs> All right, Dustin. Uh, I I'd, I'd have been the dead guy in the car on La Brea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. How about you, Dan? As for me, I would survive both shows. I am the protagonist of both shows. Uh, I'm Natalie Z or the guy who survives uh, Squid Game, who I don't know which character that is, but whichever one, uh, that's me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why we bother asking you these yeah. things. Uh, no, I would, I'm sure I would die. I, like Squid Game, I would die in a dumb way. Like I would, I would die in that first game, but it would be like, I've frozen and then I sneeze or something like that. <laughs> like it would be something real dumb like that. Um, no, you'd be that. You'd be the backstabber guy in in Squid Game. You'd be like, I'm oh, that's gonna right. win, I am a and villain. like, yeah, you'd like lie. And yeah. You'd, you'd, oh, yeah, you'd tell me you were gonna partner with me and get me through, but then you'd steal all of my marbles. Right. Mm-hmm. These are just standard Survivor uh, tactics, like yeah. on the show Survivors. So, um, yeah. I don't know why you're surprised. I'm the villain. <laughs> you're the villain who will almost win. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, have a good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good morning.